Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What a powerful morning already. Who thinks, who thinks this guy sounds like Michael W. Smith? Come on. He's got that level of authority. Chris, I just, I just see for you, there's a... Um, there's a gift that God has put on the inside of you, like Michael W. Smith. It's not about number of songs written. It's not about you know, vocal talent or vocal ability. It's, a, it's about the ability to lead people in worship. God has given you the ability to lead others into worship, to open up the door and say, come, follow me. Let me show you... Let me show you the way into the house of worship. God, I thank you for the leadership anointing on this man. I thank you for the authority on him, the ability to lead others in worship, the ability to, to open up heaven for people with his gift, with his voice, with his ability, with what you put on the inside of him. God, I thank you for the touch of heaven, that even more is coming, even more opportunity to lead in worship, even more opportunity, night of Christmas, leading, leading thousands and thousands of people in worship, awaken music, leading hundreds hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in worship, opening up the gates, breaking down strongholds with not just your voice, but with your spirit. It's the spirit behind the voice. God, I thank you for the reach, the reach around the world. This voice, this heart, this ability, your ability in him, in Jesus' name, continue to, continue to bring fruit in every season, fruit in every season with his passion, with his ability, with his grace, God. You've given the, him the grace to lead with dignity, to lead with humility, to lead with authority in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great day. Who loves the Verillis? Amazing job. Chris, you're... You're tapping into some, some new stuff there too. A little bit prophetic edge, a little bit anointing. Just you're speaking, you're speaking into to people things that, that maybe don't even exist yet, but you're calling it out. You're seeing it. You're developing that gift. God, I thank you for the Verillis. I thank you for their heart of service. I thank you. They've dedicated their life. Not just, not just a year, not just two years, not just a weekend, not just a, a Sunday or a Wednesday. They've dedicated their life to serving you. Why? Because you have given them life. You've given them abundant life. All of the things that you've brought them out of, all of the challenges that you've worked through with them, all of the times walking beside them, all of the times leading them, all of the times supporting them. God, they love you so much because you've loved them so much. I thank you that they have, they have poured out and poured out and poured out. And God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the blessing. I thank you for the overflow. Pouring back into their life, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Leading the you, leading teams here, leading in, in, on the stage, leading in preaching, ministering. God, God increase that, that prophetic gift over Chris. In, increase that anointing. Increase that leadership anointing over Coral. Increase what you have already given them. To him who is faithful, to her who is faithful with the little, much will be given. I thank you for much responsibility because they have much love for you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. It was a great word you had for Eliana too. So good. All about the base, about that base. No trouble. All about that bass. She's bringing glory back. Mm. Come on. Give it up for our worship team. Thank you so much. 
I can't sing the rest of that song because there's, there's no words that I can replace some of them with. It just doesn't make sense. Grab a seat, everyone. Excited to be with you this morning. We like to have a little bit of fun in the house. Cherish ladies, you got a month away. His masterpiece is coming up. So excited for all you wonderful ladies. I know my, my beautiful bride, Pastor Lisa, she's so excited to see each and every woman of El Cajon East County get poured into, get loved up on, to, to really uh, open the door in many cases for you to, to experience really, you know, the, the potential that you have as a woman. You know, sometimes in, in, in some situations and circumstances, some churches, they, they, actually, they actually don't want to elevate the voice of, of a woman. They actually try and, and silence the voice of a woman. Well, we believe that, that uh, a healthy home has the voice of a healthy father and a healthy mother. We love our women. We think some of our best preachers and teachers and leaders are women. And that myself, my wife, anybody who preaches and teaches and leads from this stage is coming under the authority of Pastor Jurgen and Leanne as the head of Awakened Church. And so just know that, that as we speak, we're not just speaking with our authority. We're not just speaking words that we've, we've found from the Bible. We're actually speaking under their authority, under their headship, and under the authority and headship of our Heavenly Father. Just in case you were curious. But ladies, get to cherish. Uh, get your, your moms, your grandmas, your daughters, 12 years old and up-ish, you know, welcome to, to join for that. But uh, it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. Uh, about a year ago when we were doing services, a little more than that, maybe, maybe two years now, we are doing services in the tent in the parking lot of this, this building. I had the, the bright idea to, to start off the service with a little game. Come on, who loves games, game shows? Anybody love watching game shows? Jeopardy. Jeopardy is a favorite in our household. And uh, so, so I actually started out, I had a couple of contestants come up, and we had a little mini round of Family Feud. Come on, who knows Family Feud? It was, it was some fun. We're going we're gonna to do a game today, but everybody is invited to participate, except if you were in the first service, because that's cheating, because you already know all the answers. So no, no answering if you were in the first service, but can we bring the lights down a little bit? It was kind of hard to see who was responding uh, last service. So, uh, so, so the game is Name That Tune. Name That Tune. Anybody know Name That Tune? Okay, come on. This is going to be the classical music edition of Name That Tune. Any, any classical music lovers in the house? Come on, we got a few. This is your time to shine. Classical music letter, lovers, I'm counting on you. So my, the high team, the ministry team, they're going to help me out. We're going we're gonna to play just a few, a few notes of a song, okay, and it's a classical, classical music song. And if you know the answer, then I want you to stand up because it's kind of hard to see. I want you to stand up, give us a wave, and shout it out, all right? And, and, and I'm not just going to ask you to do this for no reward. There's actually a free coffee on the line. The amazing man, Pastor Jake Shooty, he's got some free coffee cards. So we're going to give this out to whoever gets the answer the first. And if we make a mistake, God bless us. We're all human. Whoever we see, stand up and shout out the answer first. But, but I'm going to add a little wrinkle. See, I have, a, I have a, an amazing assistant back here, the amazing Jared Van Tassel, Mr. Piano Man. He's going to play the song. But I think it was too easy last time, so I'm going to add another little challenge. I'm going to play the first song. I'm going to come over here and play the first song. And if, if none of you get it, then I'll have Jared come over and play it the right way. All right, are we ready? Here we go. First song. For at least somebody got it. I did it right. Get the, I, don't know, I don't know who stood up first. I was too concentrated, focused on the keys. So, so somebody get it. 
Now we're gonna now we're gonna let the professional do it. All right, for Elise, the first song, name that tune. Mr. Piano Man, serenade us with number two. Beethoven's fifth over here. It sounds a lot better when he does it. I'll leave it to him. Great job, sir. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, very good. Probably four of the most recognizable notes that you have ever heard in your life. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Dun, 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 All right. And now for our last, our last encore performance, Mr. Van Tassel, take it away. Stand up. Oh, DeJoy, she's got it. Oh, DeJoy. Ellie, you can't stand up. You're a music teacher. That doesn't count. She gets it. Oh, DeJoy, very good. Otherwise known as Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Man, this guy, he knows his classical music. Well done, sir. Furley's Beethoven's Fifth and Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, all composed by the great Ludwig von Beethoven. Thank you, Mr. Van Tassel, Mr. Piano Man. Thank you to all of our contestants for playing. Come back next week for more fun. <laughs> Beethoven, he, he is known as one of the greatest artists of all time. Musical composers. And, and that last song that was played is, uh, is a portion of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And it's commonly referred to as Ode to Joy. And um, it's interesting that, that this, this particular piece was considered his masterpiece for many reasons. All of his works are amazing. Furley's Moonlight Sonata, the Fifth Symphony, Ninth Symphony. Beethoven actually composed 722 pieces, 722 compositions. But there's some that just stand out above the rest. And this particular symphony was, um, was his final symphony, his final symphony. But it was the first, and one of the reasons why it stands out as being so great, it was one of the first compositions from a major composer to actually bring in soloists in a vocal choir in with the orchestra. Mozart and many of the greats had, had amazing symphonies and amazing orchestras, amazing ensembles, but, but Beethoven had, had this, this dream, this thought, this, this feeling on the inside of him that for his, his final symphony, and, and maybe he knew it was his last, maybe he didn't, but he wanted to bring in something powerful, and so he brought this vocal ensemble in to sing in the fourth movement. The fourth movement of the ninth symphony is when the chorus comes in. And the specific chorus, what they were singing was Ode to Joy. But Ode to Joy was not something that Beethoven wrote. It was actually composed by a poet about 30 years before his time. But he brought in, he brought in these words. And, and why, why that is so powerful and maybe part of the reason why it's known as one of the greatest musical achievements of all time is the circumstances around that symphony. You see, the world at that time had been enraged in war. The Napoleonic Wars had happened from around 1801 to 1815. And, and just after that, 1822 to 1824 is when Beethoven began writing this symphony. And it was first performed in May of 1824. But that's not the only reason why it was so powerful. Because during all of this time, from about 1801 till the end of his life in 1827, Beethoven began to, to work through progressive stages of deafness. He actually was almost completely deaf at the time of the writing and release of his masterpiece. 
Can you imagine as a composer, you're living your whole life studying music, learning music, listening to music, performing music, writing music, all of these things. And the thing that is most helpful to you in this task, in this undertaking is what? Your hearing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the thing that is most necessary for you to do the work that you were created to do is taken away from you? But Beethoven didn't let that stop him. He was fighting depression. He was fighting hearing loss. He was fighting the environment that was going on around the world, the, the, the raging wars, everything. But he didn't let any of those challenges complete, uh, stop him from completing his masterpiece. He pressed through because of what he knew he was supposed to do. And in this spirit of depression and war and, and pain and struggling, he wrote an ode to joy. In the face of depression, in the face of, of you know, humanity tearing itself apart, he wrote a song about humanity coming back together. And the, the poem that he used was written in 1785 by Friedrich Schiller. And it was, a, it was written in German, and this is the, the English translation of part of it. Joy, beautiful spark of divinity, daughter of Elysium, which is poetic for heaven. We enter drunk with fire, heavenly one, thy holiness presence of the Holy Spirit. Thy magic binds again what custom strictly divided. You see, the supernatural, he's saying here, is more powerful than our natural flesh, our natural desires, the, the natural things that tear us apart, that joy can actually bring us together. All humans become brothers where thy gentle wing abides. Whoever has succeeded in the great attempt to be a friend's friend, whoever has won a lovely wife, check, Add his joy to the jubilation. Yes, whoever has also has just one other soul to call his own on this earth brings joy. What powerful words. And, and, and Beethoven chose this poem, chose this writing to be the centerpiece of his fourth movement, the centerpiece of his ninth symphony, the centerpiece of his masterpiece was an ode to joy. It's so powerful when we, when we think about the words, we think about the lyrics, and we think about the, the struggle that he, he went through. But, but if we look deeper, we find that, that in these lyrics, in these words, there's, joy is connected to relationship. That, that first stanza, the first phrase, you know, spoke about the joy that's a divine spark. It's from heaven. And then, and then the next phrase, the next stanza, it talks about the joy that comes through relationship with each other. So there's two things that, that are chief in Beethoven's minds. There's two things that were chief in this poet's minds when he wrote the words. It's the relationship with God and relationship with each other. Two things that remain the same. Two things that the Bible actually says are the two most important things. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. What's second next to it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. The relationship with God, with the relationship with people, is the centerpiece of joy. Now, many of us, in hearing those, those words, those lyrics, may think, that's, I don't remember those in, in singing Ode to Joy. I don't remember that in, you know, when, when, when we hear, you know, the choir at Christmas time sing the songs. We're actually used to hearing some different words. We're used to hearing, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, praising thee, their son above. 
Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. And later, all thy works with joy surround thee. Earth and heaven reflect thy rays. You see, these words were actually written by a composer named Henry Van Dyke in 1907. A hundred years after Beethoven released the symphony. A hundred years after the melody was first heard, another person came in and used that melody, used that tune, but, but added his writings to it. And Van Dyke said this about, about his composition. These verses are simple expressions of common Christian feelings and desires in this present time, hundred years ago. Hymns of today that may be sung together by people who know the thought of the age and are not afraid that any truth of science will destroy religion. Who knows that no truth of science is ever going to destroy religion? Or any revolution on earth overflow, overthrow the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, this is a hymn of trust and joy and hope. And it's been sung by choirs and churches and people for over a century. In 2009, Casting Crowns released a song as well. You may have heard it on the radio to this, to this exact same tune. Joyful, joyful. And they, they actually didn't change any of the lyrics to the, to the hymn that was written in 1907, but they changed the, the accompaniment. They changed the sound. You see, every generation needs to, to reinvent this, this song. Every generation needs to take ownership of joy. Every generation needs to pour out what God has already poured in. But it's so, so powerful that we do it to a song that was written 200 years ago. 200 years ago. That, that same melody, that same song, that same tune is still being used as an example of joy. That's why it was a masterpiece. That's why it's one of the greatest masterpieces of music of all time. Because everything after it was compared to it. That's the definition of a masterpiece. If you change a culture, if you change a, a format, if you change a form of something in a way that, that anything else after that gets compared to it, then that's the masterpiece. 2,000 years ago, there was a masterpiece that was, that was performed when Jesus Christ went to a cross and gave his life. And for 2,000 years plus, people have been experiencing, they've been entering into joy because of that one math masterpiece. Every generation needs to have a heart for joy, a heart to, to show what joy is capable of in their generation. The title of this message is A Masterpiece Ode to Joy. A masterpiece, Ode to Joy. See, joy is, joy is so much more than emotion. An emotion, it's more than a feeling. It's more than being happy or sad or mad. It's, joy is actually a fruit. And specifically, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's a product of the Spirit at work in us. So the, in this message, I'm going to share a, a couple of bios, one of them being Beethoven and, and, and a couple others. And, and I want you to, to ask yourself a few questions. The first question that I want each of us to ask ourselves is this. What has joy produced in my life? Or excuse me, what, what has produced joy in my life? What has produced joy in my life? And this can be a, big, a bit of a tricky question sometimes. There's, there's different things that can produce joy. My kids, I love my kids. I was, I was filled with joy when each of my boys was born. But who knows, kids can also be stressful from time to time. They can also make you want to pull out your hair. They can give you a few gray hairs. I had none of these gray hairs before any of them were born. It's true. But I love my kids. My kids bring me so much joy. 
Sometimes I, I wonder why we had so many kids, but, but they each bring me joy. They bring me stress, but they bring me joy. We, uh, we like to have fun with our kids. We like to go out to the beach. Anybody like to go to the beach? Come on, we live in San Diego. It's always beach season in San Diego. It's always beach season, but it's all, not always season to get in the water. There's, there's about two months out of the year. We're in it right now where it's actually, it's actually enjoyable <laughs> to get in the water, where, where uh, we actually like to go swimming. The water, water's kind of chilly. Lisa's like, I'm, I'm not getting in there. There's no way. Like, she, like, you couldn't pay me to get in the water. And I said, oh, really? Oh, really? Everybody has a price. <laughs> and she's like, okay, fine. I was like, how, how much would it take for you to get in the water? $3,000. <laughs> Her price is $3,000 to get in the water. I'm, I'm much, much cheaper. I do it for 100 bucks. Our kids don't need any motivation to go get in the water. They love it. They love going to the beach. It doesn't matter how cold it is. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. Why? Because of the joy. The joy is their reward. The joy of just going in and swimming and having fun and, and boogie boarding in the waves and, and doing all of the fun things at the beach. The joy that's, that's there is enough for them. They don't need any extra motivation. Motiva joy is the motivation in and of itself. On the one hand, joy is a, a declaration of victory. In Luke chapter 10, 16 to 21, Jesus said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall, like, fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Father, O Lord of heaven, thank you for hiding these things, interesting, from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Somebody say faith. Faith. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. It's impossible to please God except through faith. When we demonstrate that childlike faith, that's what pleases God. That's what we have to focus in on. Overcoming the devil is good. Overcoming the devil is powerful. Overcoming the devil, seeing victory in your life will bring joy. But joy goes deeper than that. Joy is at the root of salvation and joy is a product of salvation. The Bible says in the, when our names are written in the book of life, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the angels even rejoice. The angels are joyful when even one person repents of their sins and comes to the Father. But on the other hand, the process of joy can be incredibly difficult, devastating even. James 1, 2-4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Ooh, that doesn't make sense. When trials come, when problems come, that's, that's an opportunity for not just joy, but great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Come on, who wants to be perfect and complete, leading nothing? Come on, every hand should be lifted up right now. It's a noble pursuit, noble pursuit. How do you get there? By joy, by faith, by endurance. Beethoven had to demonstrate all of these things when he was writing and completing his masterpiece. In a letter to his brothers, Beethoven said this, Only art held me back. 
Uh, it seemed impossible to me to leave the world before I had brought forth all I felt destined to, to bring forth. And so I muddled on with this wretched life. He was experiencing depression. He was experiencing pain. He was experiencing challenges that, that many of us can't even think about. But he pressed through because he knew he had something on the inside of him. He knew there was a masterpiece on the inside of them that he was supposed to get out to the world. He knew that he had a calling. He had a, a mission. He had a drive. Maybe he, maybe he couldn't have even dreamt of the significance of what he would do. But the, the, the feeling inside was so powerful, he could not hold it back. The feeling inside was so motivating, it kept him moving forward towards that dream. It kept him progressing towards that vision of what he had inside. The second question I want each of us to ask ourselves is what masterpiece has joy unlocked in me? What masterpiece has joy unlocked in me? Maybe you're thinking, well, I haven't produced a masterpiece. Joy hasn't locked, unlocked anything yet. Well, be like Chris Verrilli and prophesy. Speak to that thing. Speak to that mountain. Speak to that dream. Speak to that vision. Speak to the things that God has put on inside of you. Call them out. Speak things that are not as though they are. Maybe, maybe you, you haven't ever put pen to paper and put music down. Maybe you haven't ever sung a note, but is there a dream on the inside of you? What is the dream that God has put on the inside of you? What is the masterpiece that's on the inside of you? What is the masterpiece that will change people's lives centuries from now? Each and every one of us has a masterpiece on the inside of us. How do I know that? Because we're his masterpiece. We're the pinnacle of creation. God poured out his image. He poured out his spirit onto us. And even a fraction, even the smallest piece of the image of God is a masterpiece to all of humanity. Even the smallest bit of him in you is a masterpiece, just waiting to get out. If you don't know what that is, then search it out. Dig in. It might be, it might be hidden under a layer of pain. It might, be, it might be laying under the greatest trial, the greatest struggle you'll ever face in your life. But I know this, the greater the, the, greater the struggle, the greater the trial, the greater your perseverance in overcoming it, the greater the reward. If you struggle, if you persevere, if you persist more and more and more, then the impact will be more and more and more. Your dedication to that thing, your dedication to that feeling can and will change the world if you endure, if you press in. Where do you start? Somewhere. Just start somewhere. Start with a dream. Get in motion. Start moving. Start doing. What are you good at already? Everybody has a talent. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has something that, that creates a spark in them. Everybody has something that creates a spark in other people. If you don't know where to start, start with make, what makes other people laugh. Start with, with what gets other people going, what, what, what gets them engaged. I'll, I'll never be a, a, as great a singer as Chris McGill. But when I sing, people laugh, so it starts somewhere. I have to tell Elda to put on earmuffs before I sing. Elda, don't listen, don't listen. I'm all right. Oh, thank you. I love you. What an encourager. Who said that? Who that? Stand up. You're my new favorite person. Aside from my wife. You're good right there. You don't have to come down. It's okay. Well, come on down. Come on down. Let's go. Come on. You're amazing. What's your name? Kelly? Yeah. Oh, you're amazing. You're beautiful. 
you have, you have a masterpiece on the inside of you. God is going to use you for something special. God, I thank you for Kelly. I thank you for the endurance. Even just, even just walking down here, God, I thank you that every step that she was taking, she was prophesying into that masterpiece. She was prophesying into what you're doing through her. There's a spark, a divine spark in her that she sees the gold in other people. And I, I see right now that, that your words, that your heart, your example is going to draw things out of people. They're, they're going to they're think that, you know, I, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I don't know how to make it. But the encouragement that's coming through you is going to set them on a new course, a new path, out of death into life, out of depression into victory. I declare over Kelly in Jesus' name, the path of victory for her is connected to the path of victory for others. That as she speaks life, she gets life. As she encourages, she feels encouragement. As she knows that you are with her, she releases that knowledge to other people so they can experience the same joy that she feels each and every day. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for your daughter. I thank you for the struggles that she's gone through. They've developed perseverance. They've developed faith. They've developed a passion for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, Kelly. She said I had a great voice. When, when Pastor Lisa and I were in kids' church at Balboa, they, we do worship set, and, uh, and we were out there singing one time, and, uh, and there was, like, all the kids are around us. And, and Pastor John, the Hammer Heinrich's son, was standing right next to me. And after we sang a song, he, he looked up at me and he said, you seem like my dad. And I said, oh, does your dad have a good voice? And with a straight face, he looked at me and said, no. <laughs> kids, greatest joy, greatest struggles. What masterpiece has joy unlocked in me? I want to I share another little bio. This is a, a man who is not from history. He's actually alive and well, and he's a member of this church. He was here last service, and he couldn't stay around for this ser service. But does anybody know Jesus Montoya? He's an amazing man, Jesus Montoya. You'll see him over here. He's in, in, a, in an electronic wheelchair. But uh, he is, he's a blessing. He is a treasure. And I had, the, I had the privilege, the honor of officiating his wedding about a month and a half ago. And uh, as, a, as a gift to me, he, uh, he blessed me with one of his paintings. And I want to I show you this painting. This is one of Jesus Montoya's painting. Beautiful. You know, and, I, and he had a, you know, a full wall of paintings. He said, please, go, go and choose one. And I was drawn to this one. I think I, I like the, tree, the idea of trees planted by the rivers of living water. And then as I was sitting at my desk, I looked out. We, we, we live right next to Santee Lakes. And I realized that, that, you know, I can look out and I can see like three different lakes. And they're in progression. And the water flows down from one to the other. And so I think this, this just reminded me of home. And it reminded me of the joy of life. And there's a couple other paintings I want to show you of his. These are just some of his works. Jesus Montoya, amazing artist. How beautiful is that? Um, I, I asked Jesus if I could share a little bit of his story. And, uh, and he, he graciously agreed. And so I want to I share this little clip. Uh, it's part of his bio. So take a look. Jesus Montoya is a strong believer in the healing power of paint, a paintbrush, and a canvas. I tried to draw things, a little things before, and it was terrible. <laughs> so then I was telling them I can't do it, especially without movement in my hands. So then they started telling me about the... Uh, mouse stick I can paint with my mouth. Paralyzed from the chest down and struggling with his anger, Jesus wasn't easily persuaded. Since they keep begging me and begging me, the, 
finally I tell them, okay, I want to try it, just to, I mean, just for them to stop telling me. <laughs> and I start painting, and I'm, I don't know, something happened, and I just realized I like to paint, so. And that's not the only thing Jesus has discovered about himself. Jesus was just 21 years old when he suffered a devastating injury. He was driving to work in the rain when a car spun toward him. He swerved to avoid impact, flipped his car, and rolled down an embankment. At that time, I have a, my fiance. Um, we're living together already. Uh, she was three months pregnant when I had the accident. So after I wake up, she was already like six and a half, seven months, something like that. I had to rely on nurses or other people for everything, for eating, for drinking, for change myself, um, for everything. Basically, I can't do anything by myself. I get angry to myself. I get angry to the people around me. I try to die. I tell them I don't want to live like that because I don't know. It's just like many people that have a spinal cord injury, um, it, it's catastrophic. Imagine one day you're working, you have a family, everything is, you know, you feel like you're living a normal life, and then next day you're in the intensive care unit, you know, you have a tube you know, for feeding, you have a, a tube for breathing, um, and you're paralyzed. Jesus's anger was all-consuming and ultimately cost him his family. He was lost and broken when an Edgemore volunteer offered him a way out. I met a friend. I call her my angel friend. Then she started telling me about school. And she's a teacher, so she started inspiring me too. And I always wanted to go to school, but I didn't know how. Jesus had only completed second grade in Mexico. With encouragement from his friend, he started taking ESL, or English, as a second language. But then after I started learning, I started liking it, so that's when I started my high school. Jesus had also started painting. He graduated from high school in 2007 and became the first Edgemore resident to enroll in college. And from there I got accepted to San Diego State, which was, I mean, that was a big, big accomplishment. Jesus finished his bachelor's degree in social work and minored in art. He is currently working on his master's degree. Education and painting have given Jesus freedom, purpose, and happiness again. How powerful is that? Wow. I have that painting by my desk. And every time I think something's a little bit challenging, I just look at that and I'm like, okay, yeah, I have nothing to complain about. Like, I need to keep working harder. It's, it's such an amazing story, and I was fortunate to, you know, to be brought into his world and, and experience that. If you see him, he's usually at the 11. If you see him, thank him for everything he's done. He's an inspiration to so many people, and it's so powerful, this, uh, this journey that he's on. But, but the journey c continues. He's actually going to keep painting. He's going to keep doing more and more, and I believe his masterpiece is coming. I know, uh, I know he has a heart to do it, and it bring, it's brought him such, such joy, but... Uh, but not just that, you, you heard in there that he's, he had a desire to, to go to school and learn more. And actually last May, he completed his master's degree in rehabilitation counseling. 
So his masterpiece might not just be in painting. His master's piece might be in his master's degree of bringing joy to other people, rehabilitation, counseling. He, he has made it his, his drive, his dedication to restore joy to other people. Joy has been restored in his life, and now he wants to share that with others. Joy is a fruit. Most fruit have a, a seed on the inside. There's always a seed connected to the fruit. A seed that, that has the potential to create an unlimited amount of the same fruit. If you've experienced joy in your life, then you're called to sow that seed. You're called to sow joy into somebody else and continue the cycle of that fruit. Produce more of the same fruit. Jesus is producing more of the same fruit that got him out of depression, that got him out of anger, that got him looking forward to what he could do, not what happened to him. When we dwell on the past, when we dwell on mistakes, when we dwell on failures, when we dwell on accidents or sin, then we get caught up in this, this idea that, that our best days are behind us. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. You have the potential to do something great for yourself and for other people and for the kingdom. Jesus is doing that. But you got to sow the seed. If Beethoven had never sown the seed, if you never pressed through that struggle and, and released that ninth symphony, then, then we wouldn't get to experience the ode to joy now. We wouldn't get to experience a masterpiece that's owed to joy. If Jesus hadn't done what he did 2,000 years ago, then we wouldn't have the opportunity to experience true joy, the joy of, of knowing our heavenly father, an intimate relationship with him. Would never have been possible if that seed hadn't been sown into the ground, if Jesus hadn't given his life to do what, what nobody else could do. Are you giving your life? Are you committed to giving your life to doing what nobody else can do? What is your masterpiece? What masterpiece has joy produced in you? If you're not sure where to start, then ask yourself this question, the last question. What can I do to bring joy to others? What can I do to bring joy to others? Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Another line from the hymn of joy, the ode to joy. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Interesting, there it is again. The perfection of faith is connected to joy. Joy is connected to the perfection of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne the place of ultimate joy. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. If we think about what Jesus endured, then it helps us to endure our race. It helps us to, to run to the finish line, the things that we have been called to do, the masterpieces that are inside of us are only possible if we endure. The, Beethoven's ninth symphony was his final symphony. It's not something that happened at the beginning of his career, at the start of the journey. It's something that happened near the end of his journey, near the end of his life. Sometimes a masterpiece can happen in a moment. Sometimes it takes a process. Whether it's quick or whether it takes a lot of endurance, you have to choose to pursue it. 
You have to choose to pursue your masterpiece. Now, we don't need to be looking for troubles. We don't need to be looking for trials. Trials and troubles and problems will come. You don't have to think, well, my, my masterpiece is only connected if I, if I have to struggle through something, so let me go find something to struggle through. That'll happen on its own. Please don't do that. The ministry team will have too much work on their hands. But we do have to get rid of the sin that so easily trips us up. We do have to, we do have to run with endurance the race. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Remembering everything that he did. We keep our eyes on people like Jesus Montoya to remind us that, that all things are possible to those who believe. We keep our, our ears listening to the, the sound of joy in other people. We le- keep our ears listening to the things that produce joy in our life. But it has to go farther than that. It can't just be about what brings you joy. You need to ask yourself, what can I do to bring joy to others? Maybe it's difficult for you or some of us to relate to the concept of joy. Maybe it hasn't been predominant in our lives. Well, there's eight other fruit of the Spirit. Pick one of those. There's lots of ways where you can be motivated by a fruit of the Spirit. It's still the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these fruits of the Spirit. Each one is is capable of producing a masterpiece in us. Every single fruit of the Spirit has that seed inside. So when when you demonstrate the fruit and then you sow the fruit, that can produce a masterpiece. But if you think that, that joy is challenging, you think it's, it's hard to get your head around this, then just wait till I preach on patience and self-control. <laughs> I need to master that one first. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Maybe that's an end of my life type of message. <laughs> Lisa's saying, please, God, no. <laughs> we, should be, we should be practicing what we preach, and we should be preaching what we practice. It's not just, hey, this is a great concept, this is a great theory, let me talk about that, even though I'm not demonstrating in my own life. No, we actually have to preach what we're already practicing. You need to preach what you're already doing. You need to demonstrate, you need to sow the seeds of what you've already overcome. You need to to get down and help somebody. We have an entire recovery ministry that's filled with people who have overcome addictions. They've overcome abuse. They've overcome codependency. They've overcome things that once held them back, but now they are found. Now they have found victory. Now they have found joy. And so they've made it their life's mission, their passion to help other people find joy, help other people overcome addictions, help other people get the same breakthrough that they had. You have the potential to overcome, and you have the potential to help others overcome. But first, we have to overcome a few things. There's, there, are, there are some inhibitors to joy, blockers of joy. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a huge blocker of joy. When you hold something against somebody else, then it prevents the forgiveness of your heavenly Father coming to you. You have to release unforgiveness. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. You have to overcome stress in your life. It's, it's so hard to find joy in the midst of stress. Not impossible, as Beethoven proved, as Jesus proved, but it's hard. It's difficult. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth, ocean depth of happy rest. That's what joy will bring. You have to overcome sadness. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. You have to overcome strife. Ever singing, march we onward, victors in the midst of strife. You have to overcome theft. The devil is a thief and he's a liar. He will try and steal your joy. As I was walking through the most difficult time in my life, 
My marriage had just fallen apart. And, and actually, I just lost my job as well. My dad spoke to me. He spoke these words. I'll never forget. He said, don't let the devil steal your joy. Doesn't matter what you're walking through right now. The devil doesn't have ownership over your joy. Why? Because he didn't give it to you. Your heavenly father gave you that joy. And he's never going to take it away. Don't let the devil steal what the father has given you. Fight through that pain, fight through that stress, fight through that strife, fight through that struggle. Find your joy again. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He's continually pouring out his joy onto each one of us. We have to receive it, we have to accept it, we have to demonstrate it, and then we have to give it. As we have received, we freely give. As we get the joy of the Lord, then we give joy to other people. We, we release what God has given to us. And, and when you release, it doesn't leave you void. Why? Because he keeps pour, pouring more into you. God gives seed to the sower. A joy of fruit that is sowed, you can expect a harvest of joy coming into your life. So why don't we stand to our feet as we come to a close. Every single one of us has to go through a process, a process of joy. The result of joy is vastly different from the process of joy. We want to speak into the result of joy. And the start of this process, the start of, of real joy, true, true joy, joy from the Holy Spirit, only comes through a relationship with the Father. I want to pray for some people as we close. If there's anybody here today and you've never experienced true joy. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, an overwhelming sensation came on me. And I began to, to cry tears of joy. Because I felt his presence in my life. I knew that he was my father. I knew that, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins, to bring me into relationship with him. If you've never experienced that joy, real joy, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you want to experience joy for the first time, or maybe, maybe you did at one point, but you know you're far from God right now. You feel a separation. You feel a divide. You haven't felt that divine joy in some time. Then this morning I want to give you an opportunity to reconnect with him. To rediscover that joy. Real joy. If that's you this morning, if you've never, if you've never said a prayer to give your life to Jesus, or you know that you're far from him and you want to rededicate your life to him, would you lift up your hand right now? I'd love to pray with you, include you in this prayer. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. See those hands together, amazing. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. I see that hand, champion. So proud of you, little man. I see that hand down in the front. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else? You know you need that joy. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Who else is there? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you over there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Over on the side. Thank you so much. So proud of you. Is there just one more? You've been fighting for joy. I see those hands. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. I see that hand, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. Is there just one more? You're fighting through the, the process of pain. God bless you, champ. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. So many hands, so many people. Why don't we do this? Let's all say these words together. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you 
for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. Right now, I receive his joy. Fill me up with your spirit, the presence of joy in my life. I believe that heaven is my home, that God is my father, that I will walk out my life with joy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.